Hi everyone. As you may know, we've got a referendum coming up on October 14th for the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Voice to Parliament. What you may not know is that Western Sydney actually has one of the largest urban Aboriginal populations in New South Wales. The sad thing about this voice campaign has been the extent of misinformation and toxic negativity that has pervaded our community. At Network 5 Emergency Medicine, we're all about providing helpful factual information and advocating for the people of Western Sydney. We want to show you that this basically boils down to two simple principles despite all of the noise. It's about dignity and decision making, and through those things it's going to be good for the whole community and relevant to everyone, because it will help to unify our country and make more effective use of government resources. So what is The Voice? The Voice came from an extensive nationwide consultation process that was initiated by the Referendum Council, which was established by the government in 2015. It's basically an advisory body that will be comprised of representatives from First Nations communities around Australia who can help to inform government decisions on policies that will affect First Nations people. It's based on a fundamental policy-making principle called co-design. Shockingly, it turns out that governments are actually able to make better policies when they consult people who are affected by those policies. So why the voice, and why specifically for First Nations people? As I said, it comes down to dignity and decision-making. Our First Nations people were never acknowledged in the Constitution, despite being the original inhabitants of this country. And this amendment is the missing piece of our founding document, which will provide a mechanism for our First Nations people to be actively engaged in contributing to our country's future. As Noel Pearson says, this measure will allow for mutual recognition, where we can finally come to a shared understanding of our Australian identity. It allows the three stories of Australia, our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander heritage, our British institutions, and our wealth of multicultural migration to finally come together in one continuous story of nationhood. Our First Nations people are a significant minority of the population, only around 4%, and they're extremely diverse. There's around 500 nations, and they vary in culture, customs, language, geography, and therefore in opinions. The voice mechanism will allow representation of this diversity and it addresses local communities. First Nations culture and traditional practices are actually valuable sources of knowledge about this land. The voice recognizes this and gives them the dignity of a mechanism to share this knowledge with the rest of us. But on top of that, First Nations people face unique structural disadvantages. A couple of examples, the First Nations people on average have a life expectancy around eight years lower than the rest of this population, than the general Australian population. We're blessed in this country to have among the highest life expectancies in the world, but our First Nations population by comparison rates among countries that are significantly less well-resourced than we are. Our First Nations children are 16 times more likely to be under the supervision of the justice system and represent almost half of all young people under the justice system. And the rate of suicide among Indigenous Australians is almost twice that of non-Indigenous Australians. I think these disadvantages stem from the fact that unlike other communities around the world that were affected by colonialism, First Nations people in Australia never regained agency over their country and instead have been forced to assimilate into a culture that not only has not acknowledged them in its founding document, but has since actively discriminated against them in a number of ways, for example, the stolen generations. So what about decision making? Well, in 2005, government agencies around Australia came together to create the Closing the Gap goals, which were again updated in 2020. These were trying to address the disparities that I've just talked about. Unfortunately, in 2023, 
Our latest report has shown that only four of the areas are on target. The rest are stagnating and another four are actually going backwards. These are fundamental areas. Some of the areas that are going backwards include the rates of suicide and incarceration among first Australians. We've spent billions upon billions of dollars trying to fix these problems. But unfortunately, successive governments over generations, whether through good intentions or out of ignorance, have tried to fix the problem by throwing money at it in a paternalistic, government-knows-best way. The outcomes speak for themselves, and our First Nations communities are understandably frustrated by poorly designed policies that don't function at a local level and don't suit their needs. On the odd occasion where First Nations people have been involved in the co-design of a policy, there have been successes. For example, after decades of failed policy from various governments to try and reduce trachoma infection rates in remote communities of Aboriginal people, the University of Melbourne's Indigenous Eye Health Unit in 2011 decided to undertake an extensive process of local co-design that led to a raft of policy changes. Ten years later, the rates of preventable blindness in these remote communities have more than halved. According to the Productivity Commission, sadly, we've got a recent report that suggests that government organisations are still consistently failing to share decision-making with First Nations communities, despite some of these success stories. Instead, they take a government-knows-best approach. I think all of us, through our various roles and through our various communities, can experience the and understand the frustration that happens when bureaucrats and various policy decision makers make decisions without consulting the people that they affect. Certainly as healthcare workers, as doctors, nurses, allied health, and all of our other groups, I think that we have lived experience of this frustration. We need to hear from the people on the ground at a local level to know how to design policies that actually work for them. It boils down to this, better and more effective use of taxpayer dollars and government resources is beneficial for the whole of Australia and not just for First Nations people. And similarly, the whole population benefits when we have access to the skills and knowledge of the traditional custodians of our land. So why does it need to be in the Constitution? Well, for one thing, this is the way that the overwhelming majority of First Nations people want to be recognised in the Constitution. And this is going to be our only chance to achieve this. There's not going to be another referendum anytime soon. On top of that, First Nations people have had other organisations represented them with the government. Unfortunately, these have been successively dismantled. Most recently, the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Commission, which was abolished by the Howard government in 2005. Other groups in the community such as unions, community organisations, advocacy bodies, uh, provide effective representation. Our First Nations people deserve a means of speaking for themselves. And I think governments, through their actions, have proven that this right needs to be protected from being dismantled at the whim of the government of the day. The parliament is still going to be able to modify and improve the design of the voice body, just as it does with all legal entities. And the parliament is still the ultimate legislative decision maker in this country. So here's the take home. There is a toxic amount of lies and misinformation, but ultimately this is a very simple proposal. It's about providing dignity to our First Nations people and helping our government make good decisions. The overwhelming majority of First Nations people want this to happen and Australia is going to be a better and stronger community for it. We're all better off when we have better government policy and better use of government resources. And we'll all be better off when we listen to our First Nations people and learn from their knowledge of the land. This is not going to be a panacea, 
But the status quo of wasting money and allowing our First Nations communities to languish is not tenable. And it's notable that the No campaign has not actually offered any alternative viable solutions. Our community is a melting pot of different people, but we all love this country and want to play our part. If you want more information, we've provided our references and also some useful sources of information on our page. And if you found this video helpful, please feel free to share and spread the word. If you want to discuss this topic further, or if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to us on our socials. On October 14th, we have a chance to make a good decision for the future of this country. We have a chance to vote yes for the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander voice to parliament.